Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is talking to young Timothy. He says this, I am reminded, talking to Timothy, I am reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now let me read it from the Living Bible. The Living Bible says it this way. I know how much you trust the Lord. He's talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I know how much you trust the Lord, just as your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois do. And I feel sure you are still trusting him as much as ever. Verse 6. This being so, I want to remind you to stir into the flame the strength and boldness that is in you, that entered into you when I laid my hands upon your head and blessed you. Thank God for His Word. We are quickly approaching a very festive and hectic time of the year. Thanksgiving and Christmas. How many of you enjoy Christmas? How many enjoy eating at Thanksgiving? How many enjoy going to family members' houses? About six of you. In just a few days, in a few days, our attention will be turned to holiday plans. Wonderful food, family gathering, and the purchasing of that right gift for our special loved ones and friends. And it's so easy every year. Every one of us, are, if we, we must be careful or we'll do this. It's so easy to get caught up in the secularization of Christmas and Thanksgiving and forget what they are all about. May that not be the case this year. May that not be said of us this year. So this morning, this morning, before we dive deep into the holiday season and come to the end of another year, can you believe that 2017 is almost over? I'm just now getting used to writing 2017. 2017 is almost over. And before we come to the end of this year, I want us to take just a few moments this morning and look inward. And do some self-evaluation of where we are spiritually. How are we spiritually going to finish this year? How are we going to conclude this wonderful year of 2017 spiritually? If we had to give an answer concerning our spiritual vitality and our personal spiritual tone, would we say we're closer to being on fire for the Lord or are we closer to being a fizzle? Are we on fire or are we fizzling out? If we had to give an account of our spiritual condition today, could we say that we are alive with the vibrant life of Christ working in us? Or are we cold and indifferent when it comes to our spiritual life? Are we excited this morning? Are we excited or are we even aware of the things God is doing in the world? You know, he's at work in the world. 
Are we aware of what he's doing? Do we even care? Or have we become so busy living our life that his will and his way has honestly become an afterthought? It's secondary to us. We're just trying to get by and get through. As this holiday season approaches, are we thinking about ways to celebrate his birth and making him known to others? Or are we see, simply seeing it as a holiday in which we get a break and get a few days off? Where are we at spiritually? What is my spiritual tone? What is your spiritual tone? The only people who know that is you and the Lord. Now, we read these verses here from Timothy, the book of Timothy. It's the second letter written to Timothy from the Apostle Paul. You see, Paul had met Timothy while Paul was doing a preaching journey, a missionary journey, and Paul comes to the city of Lystra. And in Lystra, he finds Timothy. And he and Timothy hit it off. So Timothy joins with Paul... In Acts chapter 16, Timothy joins with Paul and Timothy starts accompanying Paul on his missionary travels. And this is what Paul would do. Paul would go into a city that uh, uh, didn't have any Christian churches. He would normally go to the synagogues and debate and preach to the Jews. And then he would preach to anybody who would listen. He would teach. He would debate the naysayers. And eventually, he would lead people to Jesus Christ. And he would take that crew of people that he led to Jesus, he would teach them and disciple them, and then he would form a church, a group. And he would set up a church, and then he would set up leaders in that church, and then he'd go to the next city. And over and over and over, he did that. And Timothy was watching him, and Timothy was assisting him in this achievement and in this work that Paul was doing. And they come in Acts chapter 19, they come to the city of Ephesus, Paul and Timothy. And Paul finds 12 people there in Ephesus who have a hunger for God. So he begins to share Jesus with them and share his revelation with them and the power of the Holy Spirit to them. And they just, they they embrace it and Paul disciples them and sets up leadership and gets some more converts. And then Paul gets ready to leave and he sees that a good thing is happening here. So he asks Timothy to stay. You stay here at Ephesus and you develop this church. You be the pastor over this church. You lead this church. You be the lead elder over this church. I'm going on. You stay here and do the work. So, so under Timothy's leadership, the church begins growing. In fact, Timothy had wonderful success in ministry. But the church grew so fast... Timothy started experiencing challenges getting proper leadership and proper help. So he writes, he contacts Paul and asks for instruction. Paul responds in what we know today as the Bible book of 1 Timothy. Paul gives Timothy instruction about elders and deacons and and leadership and church organization and, and the way of living and the standards that must be set to be a leader in the church. Things went well for a while for the church at Ephesus under Timothy's leadership. But then time passes and now we come to the second book of Timothy. And by the time Paul writes his second letter to Timothy... Things have changed drastically in Ephesus. This once prosperous, growing church is now on a downhill turn. 
They've lost momentum. Some of the elders are leaving, and the deacons are defecting. The church has come under severe persecution. Nero Claudius Caesar was his name. He was the emperor over the area. He had the previous emperor killed, and he seized the throne. He was a violent man. He hated Christians, and this guy was eventually responsible for the death of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. His pastime was devising ways to kill Christians. He burned Christians alive. He stripped their skin from their bodies and would throw them in piles of manure so disease would infect their bodies and they would die a slow death. He would wrap Christians in the skins of dead animals and throw them to the lions. His palace and his grounds of his palace became a death invention testing ground on how to kill Christians. Satan was using this emperor to try to destroy the church. But history tells us, and story after story of amazing testimonies of how people who were headed to the guillotine or headed to the stake to be burned or their bodies were getting ready to be thrown to the lines, how God miraculously delivered them, how God miraculously gave them peace and grace and caused the pain not to come upon their body, how they died martyr's death, but how they miraculously had courage and strength during this time. Story after story comes. And through that, some people came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But some of the people in the church got scared and they fell away. They said, when things cool down, we'll be back. You know, it's easy to understand how fear can hinder a person's dedication and commitment to the Lord. It's easy to understand. When faced with the reality that your faith in the Lord Jesus could mean persecution and even death, it's understandable to question our public zeal and commitment to Christ. Persecutions, threats, and oppression was the culture that Christians lived in daily in Ephesus. And Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy when Timothy says, we're struggling here. What do I need to do? What do we need to do? What do I tell the people to do? They're fearful. They're falling out. They're walking away. What is your answer to us? What does the Lord tell us to do? And notice what Paul says to them. The King James Version says this, Stir up the gift of God which is in you. Notice he didn't say, Get a committee together and y'all come up with a plan. He says, if you want the fire of God working in you in the most turbulent times, you are responsible to stir up the gift of God that's in you. The NIV says, fan into a flame the gift which is in you. The Living Bible says, stir into a flame the strength and boldness that is in you. The Message Translation says, keep ablaze, keep ablaze the special gift of ministry in you. Notice whose responsibility it was in difficult times to keep themselves fired up for the Lord. It was their own personal responsibility. It's their own personal responsibility. Now in America today, we have freedom to worship. Last Sunday our our nation was rocked as that little church in Texas was was uh, evil visited that little church. There was a day in America where churches were a safe place. 
Even criminals stayed away from churches. But now that place is no longer the same. And we are doing, I've had a couple calls this week, Pastor, what are we doing to make our place church safe? Well, we have an armed security guard here, an armed policeman, Sergeant Harry Haig, who's here every Sunday from the 30 minutes before service starts to 30 minutes after service starts. We pay that. He is paid. He's a paid uh, uh, police officer who's here. And, and here's the wonderful thing about it legally, is that when you have a police officer who is, who is serving after hours like he does, if something happens, then he automatically assumes his responsibility as a policeman. He assumes his responsibility as a policeman. His police liability, his police training must kick in. He's, he assumes that responsibility. So we've made, we, are, we are working and constantly training with our security team. We have, we, have, we have the best two security guards in America right here. We've got Sergeant Harry Haig and Bubba. And if you, somebody called and said, what do y'all have over there? I said, I got Bubba. Oh, we don't want to mess with Bubba. You don't mess with Bubba's from the South. You don't mess with Bubba, Bubba's from the South. If he don't punch you, he'll out eat fried chicken in front of you. So I guarantee you, you don't mess with Bubba's in the South. We are, we are doing everything in the natural. What I'm telling you is we're doing everything in the natural to create a safe place for our people. We recognize Satan is out there, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And in America, though, other than these isolated instances... Persecution is not our biggest enemy. Nobody this morning had to get up and wonder, if I go to church, are they going to report me to the authorities this morning? But I guarantee you, in the days to come, things are going to shift and change, and it's going to get worse. Paul said it would get worse. Look what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, and see if this is not a picture of America today. Paul told young Timothy... Remember, the church is under persecution. People are falling out. People are leaving him. They're walking away from their faith. And look what Paul told Timothy. You, know, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. That word difficult means hard to bear. Pressure-filled times. There will be difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. Now, is that not a picture of America today? People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Do you know the most persecuted minority in America today is Christians? Scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider, now notice this, nothing sacred. Who would ever thought of going in, who would have ever evil people years ago would have never gone into a church house and opened gunfire upon the nursery. Evil people had more respect than that. But notice what they says. In the last days, nothing will be considered sacred any longer. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. You would think you're reading about America today by reading this, and it was written over 2,000 years ago. 
And then Paul says this to Timothy in his first letter. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. Paul says this. The New King James Version says this. Now the Spirit, Holy Spirit through Paul says this. Paul says, now the Spirit, that spirit word Spirit's large, yes. Talking about the, referring to the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit expressly says, the King James says, the Spirit speaketh expressly. That phrase speaketh expressly means, uh, in the original language, you can take it to the bank. I promise you this is what's going to happen. He didn't say, I said this. He says, the Holy Spirit says this. You can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. What's going to happen, Paul? That in the latter times, that word latter means last of the last. In the last of the last, some, not all, will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The Apostle Paul says, Church, you need to watch yourself and keep an inward um, evaluation on yourself at all times because there's going to be some of our friends and some of our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are going to depart from their faith in the last days. Now that word depart is very unusual in the original language. It literally means to stand off, to be aloof, to eventually fall away. It means something's going to happen. Something usually happens. It's either a disappointment or an offense or a tragedy, maybe a death. It could be somebody hurts your feelings. It could be you, you got a new job and you got busy, and, but you, you, you begin to stand off. Notice there's a progression. You first stand off. You're not as hot and on fire for the Lord. You're not involved anymore. You're, you're not surrounding yourself with the proper people. You begin to stand off. It, it's not, you don't just on fire one day and walk away the next day. It, it's a progression. You stand off and, and then it says you become aloof. You become scarce. And then notice the final progression is you fall away. I, you know, I, I've noticed it. I noticed it. I've been in this for 37 years now. I've noticed it, how people, I see it in where they sit in church house. <laughs> I've seen people st- get on fire for the Lord and sit on the front row. Somebody offends them, they move to the middle. Somebody else says something, they move to the back row. Hey, y'all folks on the back row, you've only got one more place to go. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how it works. Notice, some shall depart from the faith. They'll, they'll first start standing off. And then they become aloof. They get scarce. And then they fall away. Now, what causes them to do that? Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed. Giving heed. Giving heed means to slowly turn your attention. Slowly turn your attention to things which have been placed in our path to deceive us. See, there's an, there's an attempt, there's a trap to get you out. You need to understand that. I need to understand that. Why do I need to personally keep myself built up on my most holy faith? Why do I need to constantly check myself and evaluate my spiritual vitality? Why? Because there is a scheme presently at work to pull me away. And the Bible says here that some shall depart giving heed. They slowly turn to what? 
to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, the thing about that, it doesn't show up in your life as a devil. It shows up to something that will attract your attention. That's why it seduces you away. It has some type of enticement and feel good about it that pulls your attention in that direction. But it originates in a deceiving spirit. The book of Timothy was written in about uh, 67, 65, 64 to 67 A.D. Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy, they say, between 64 and 67 A.D. Go 30 years later to 97 A.D. And all of a sudden, a man on the island of Patmos has a vision of God and he writes the book of Revelation. And in this book of Revelation, God sends a message to this same church, Ephesus, that Paul established in Acts chapter 19 and that he wrote to when he wrote the book of Timothy. Pick it up. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, verse number 1. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse number 1. How many brought your Bibles today? Look at Revelation 2, 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Here we go, Ephesus. Same one that Timothy was pastor of. Same one he was leading in. Same one that experienced all type of persecution. Same one that started great and was doing good. But then people started falling away. Now 30 years later, they're still going. And God sends them a message. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. Look at verse 3. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Remember, we talked about how much persecution they were under. Thirty years later, they get through it. Caesar dies. And they get through it. And the church is still alive. And God says, I saw what you went through and you didn't quit. I appreciate that. But then he says, verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. The Holy Spirit's talking to the church at Ephesus. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have what? Fallen. Some shall depart. Become aloof. Fall away. Look how far you have fallen Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. See, what the Lord is really interested in, He he loves that we serve. He loves that we attend. He loves that we give. But really, what He really wants is our heart. He wants our heart. And it's possible, according to this scripture, and according to what we see in our town today, it's possible to be a part of a religious organization, but not have the love of God driving your heart. And the Lord knows that. 
And that's what we're talking about today. Where are we spiritually? What is our spiritual tone? Are we on fire for Christ? Does His life and His will and His way, does it permeate us and it gives us our motivation for living? Or are we fizzling? Have he, we had better days spiritually, but now life has invaded us. And now we find ourselves cold and indifferent and just going through the motions. Turn with me real quickly to another church. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Before you do that, I want to tell you this. In America, persecution, in America, persecution is not the greatest enemy of the church. Persecution is not hindering our church in America. Our greatest enemy in America to the church today is carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity. Signs are suggesting that we have slowly walked away from our first love. A passion and dedication for Jesus and His will for our lives. We're going through the motions. But we've got Christians now that are okay with living very carnal lives. You can't tell in lifestyle, you can't tell the difference in them and the person who doesn't even know Jesus Christ. Recently, I had a couple call me and said, we're not coming back. I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, did anybody offend you? Well, no, not really. I said, is anything wrong? No, not really. I said, well, can you tell me? I like to kind of know if we've made a mistake. We want to correct it. He said, well, your preaching doesn't make us feel good about our lives. So I, I, I said, well, you know, and I apologize. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Um, and let me just take a sidetrack. You know, I, I'm 60 years old. I'm getting ready to be 60. I know I don't look like I'm a stud muffin. I'm a stud muffin. I, I know that. Mike Pugh came up to me after his first service. He said, you're a stud muffin. I'm a blueberry muffin. I said, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, kind, that kind of about said, wraps it all up there. Um, I love Joel Osteen. Man, I just, I just love that guy. Now, some of you might not. I think he's the greatest. I know Joel. Joel trained my TV crew when I was at Trinity. He, he, he is just, he is, his heart is bigger than the state of Texas. I love his hair. Man, I love the guy's hair. I just wished I had hair. I, I, like, to get, I like to watch him, and he makes you feel so good. God loves you, it doesn't make any difference what you're going through. You can get through your situation. God is such a good God, and you can get through. And I just love Him. I sit there and say, I'm going to get through. I'm going to get through. But you've got to understand, I was raised hellfire and brimstone Pentecostal. You're going to burn in hell if you don't change. And God said it. You're going to burn in the pit. That's the way I was raised. Now, and I'm really trying hard to get away from, you're going to burn. Everything's lovely. Hell's not that bad. 
I'm, I'm really, I, I don't want to pick a fight with nobody. I, I'm too old, I'm getting too old to pick fights, and I'm too old to be mad. I, you know, I just, I don't like seeing mad preachers on TV. I, I just don't like seeing them spitting out. I don't like that stuff. I don't, I, I want, I want to fall in love with people and people to, to love me. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes the Word of God cuts. It cuts. And sometimes it will cut the chaff and the weeds and the sin away from our life. And the Bible says in the last days there will come a time where people have itching ears. They just want to keep hearing things that feed them in their lifestyle and make them feel good about life. And that's one of the signs of the last days. Turn with me real quickly to... Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Write this letter to another one of these churches, to the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. Now he's talking to church, he's talking to Christians. He says, You're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Turn from your indifference. Turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. I'm going to close with these simple things. Number one, blessings and prosperity had given this church, these Christians, a false spiritual satisfaction. It's not persecution that's causing our people to slowly become aloof and fall away. It's prosperity. We're so blessed. We don't need God. We can get by without Him. Now, no people, nobody will tell you that, but in your heart, it's revealed by our passion for Him. It's revealed. And what happened is their blessings and their prosperity had given them a false sense of spiritual satisfaction. Notice what he says, verse 17. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And don't you realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked? And number two, this deceptive spiritual satisfaction blinded them to their lack of holiness in their personal lives. They blinded them. Have you noticed nothing is sin anymore? Nothing is sin anymore. And if you point out sin or talk about sin, you're a hater. Nothing is sin anymore. But listen to me, saints, and I say this with all the compassion I have. There is still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is. There is. And you know it. You know it in your heart. You can find 
churches, you can find places, you can find teachers that will make you feel good about whatever you're doing, whatever lifestyle you're living. You can find somebody, some religious group that will agree with you and make you feel good in that. But you know in your heart that not everything is okay with God. Not everything. He still requires repentance. This deceptive spiritual satisfaction blinded them to the lack of holiness in their personal life. They didn't realize they were unholy anymore. They didn't realize. They were just hanging around people who said, well, that's okay. It's a new day. God's doing a new thing. Just live how you want to. Live with people without being married. Have premarital sex. It'll make, hang out at the bars every night. It's okay. It's okay. Just, just live how you want to. Just live how you... Don't, don't keep, you don't have to keep your word. You don't have to keep your word. Everybody lies. It's just part of living. You know, just, just live that way. Cheat, steal, it doesn't make no difference. Just, it doesn't make no difference. It's, it's life. It's sin. It's sin. And it's displeasing to a holy God. But see, if we live in it and tell ourselves long enough that it's okay, we deceive ourselves. And then notice what happened. They didn't realize it, but Christ was on the outside of their lives, knocking to gain entrance. Look what it says, verse 20. Look, Jesus says this, I stand at the door and knock. I'm... Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians in the church at Laodicea. He says, I'm standing at the door and knocking. You know what he's saying? I'm on the outside. I'm not even in your church. I'm not even in your life. I stand at the door and knock. See, people, you've heard preachers use this sermon, and they use it when it comes to sinners. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to Christians who have lost their first love. He's talking to people who've gotten caught up in all their blessings and prosperity and living in sin and don't even realize it. And he says, I'm on the outside of your lives. I'm trying to get in. If you'll open back up for me, I'll come in. We'll be friends again. Where, where are we spiritually? Where are we? Coming into Christmas season, where are we? Here's what I've learned in my own life. When my spiritual tone begins to diminish, when my spiritual vitality begins to dampen and dim a little bit, Instead of being a missionary in tough situations, I become a victim in tough situations. When I get involved in a situation with somebody or at work or something, and if my spiritual tone is not strong, I take on the victim role instead of being a light for Jesus in a tough situation. How many times at work have you, you've, you've been done wrong, things hadn't gone your way, you've been overlooked, and if your spiritual tone is not strong, if your fire with Christ is not sizzling hot, if you're not careful, you become the victim instead of being the light. The Lord is looking for lights in the hard places. Here's something else. When my spiritual tone starts to diminish... 
when it starts to diminish, I start expecting other people to do for me what God says I'm responsible to do for myself. Well, the worship wasn't what it was need to be. The preacher wasn't, didn't do what he needed to be. Nobody spoke to me at the host when they came in. You know, you know, they're just not meeting at the time I want to meet. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. It says when things get tough in your life, stir yourself up. Fan your own self into a flame. But when my spiritual tone gets low, I all of a sudden start wanting to cast blame on other people for my plight that I'm going through. And finally, the third thing is when my spiritual vitality starts to diminish, I notice I'm critical about everything. Can't nobody please me. No matter how hard they try, nobody can please me. Where are you at? What is your spiritual tone? What spiritual vitality What level are you right now? Are you on fire? Are you fizzling? Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.